exciting. Well, I want to kick off a brand new series today called The Heart of Christmas. And, uh, you know, Christmas has so many different pieces to it and all the activities and all the stuff that goes with it. Sometimes it's easy to lose the focus about what the real reason for the season is, and that is it's about Jesus. Amen? It's about, amen? It's about Jesus. Are we all on the same page? Let me get, let me get another amen there. Amen? Amen. There you go. It's all about Jesus. That verse we just saw up on the screen, uh, for unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and that Jesus changes everything. And so for the next few weeks in this series, what I want to do is to, to kind of call us back to what really is it that Christ wanted to do in and through our lives? What was it all about, this Son of God coming from heaven to earth just for us. And I promise you, over the next few weeks, as you, if you will open your heart, I promise you that God will do some amazing stuff in you. Well, today, I, I want to talk about one that I, I really feel that the world needs right now, and that is hope. Everybody say the word hope. Hope. How many of you would admit that this last couple of years with COVID and all the other stuff that's gone on, that it's just been a really difficult and trying time? Anybody want to admit that? Yeah. Um, it's been interesting for me to watch not only how, you know, we as a congregation and people in our community, but pastors literally across country, uh, how many have really struggled through this time. Uh, there were so many things that were changing. It was territory that none of us had ever been in before, and it was all very confusing. It was all, all very disheartening. And, uh, and I don't know about you, but there was almost like this very oppressive, depressing kind of a cloud that just seemed to be over everything. In fact, some of you who know me know I'm a, I'm a, I'm a little bit demented in my, my sense of humor, and I f fully, fully admit that. One of my favorite cartoons is Far Side cartoons. How many, how many of you love the Far Side? Yeah. And I, I saw this one, and I thought, now this is a perfect description of last year. Throw that up on the screen for me, would you? It says, the, the guy sitting on the bed, he says, the bluebird of happiness, long absent from his life, Ned is now visited by the chicken of depression. <laughs> Now, how many of you go, though, that fits for me. Yeah, that's been kind of my, my, you know, my journey over the last couple of years. And, and it's been, and I, and I, but the, the thing I want you to know is that you're not alone in that. I, I think so many of us have, in, in the midst of all of this, have really struggled and asked ourselves the question, you know, where can we find, you know, some, something that we can hang on to? And we can And uh, that's what I want to give to you today. I, I want to I look at a passage of Scripture um, the passage of scripture up on the screen for me from Hebrews 6, please. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 18 and 19. Would you read this out loud with me? Therefore, those we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold on to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Let me read, let's read that last sentence again. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our soul. Okay, now, I want you to read it this time like you really mean it. Ready? This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. How many of you say, I have that hope to hang on to? Amen? I have that hope to hang on to. Because it's so important. Because life comes at us, and sometimes it comes at us hard. I thought there was a great story. I know I'm flipping back one, Josh, but you want to throw that picture up on the screen for me, please? 
How many of you saw this story in the news uh, about Larry Anishat and his family uh, open, up in Akarchi? Anybody, anybody see that story in the news? It was, a, it was a, an, a, an amazing story, very sad, but at the same time, story of, of hope. Uh, Larry was one of 10 children. Um, he grew up on a dairy farm up in Akarchi, and uh, his family owned this, uh, this huge dairy farm, been functioning actually since statehood, and been around a long time. But... In last year, one year ago, in a three-month span, Larry lost five siblings to COVID. Five. In three months, five. Um, three of his brothers that he lost were the, actually the owners of the LLC that ran the dairy farm. And even though Larry grew up on the farm, worked the farm all of his life, he wasn't uh, a member of the LLC and because the siblings that were left couldn't agree on what to do at the farm, it had to go to auction. And Larry was devastated. You know, he was just devastated. And it's like, this is my life. It's the, you know, I mean, they were selling everything, the, the home, the, the barns, the equipment, the land. And Larry's like, you know, he, he, you know, he, he was just devastated. Like, what am I, what am I going to do? This is my, the home I've known all my life. This is the work I've known all my life. This is the place I've known all. And all of a sudden, it's like, this is all going to go away. And yet, what was wild, when you read the article or if you watch the interview on, on, uh, that the Daily Oklahoman did, he, um, he said the night before the auction, he said, I just said, God, I, I need a sign here. And he said, all I can tell you is he said, he said, I just felt like God was up to something. God was up to something. And what Larry didn't know was that the entire city that, you know, this land was going to go for auction. People literally around the world were going to bid online. But, you know, there are a lot of people up here. Rural Oklahoma land is, is, you know, was really skyrocketing in value. And they just knew people were going to buy this. But the entire town was pulling for him. And by the end of the day, when it was all said and done, Larry was able to purchase 160 acres of the land back, including his home, the barns, all of the farm and the, and the equipment. And he is going to be able to carry on, stay in the house, continue on with the family business like before. And it was one of those moments where you just shout hallelujah and go, you know what? In the midst of what looked like a bleak and dying moment, God showed up and breathed in a breath of hope. And that's what God offers us. You know, I don't, I don't pretend to know what you're going through. I don't pretend to understand where you may be struggling. I don't pretend to say that I can fully identify with every loss that you have in your life. And, and some of the stuff that maybe particularly that these holidays exacerbate for us and just magnify in our minds and hearts. But here's what I want you to know. Christ offers himself to you today to be a hanker of hope in the middle of all that you are going through. Can we talk about that for a few minutes? You say, well, Pastor Steve, how, how can he do that for us? How can Jesus do that for us? Here we go. Here's how he can do it. He's our anchor because you know what? First of all, he is a comforter. Our God is a comforter. Now, I put a statement on your outline that I really want you to tune into because it's so important to remember. God never promises exemption from life's sorrows. Let me read that again. God never promises exemption from life's sorrows. Now, here's why this is so important. Often, we get mad at God when bad stuff happens. 
But Jesus told us bad stuff was going to happen. Do you remember that? He said, in this world, you will have troubles. He said, but take heart because I've overcome the world. God never promises exemption from life's sorrows, but he does promise comfort in life's sorrows. In other words, what you're dealing with is, is stuff that all of us have to deal with at one time or another, and, and we don't get exemption from that. But I'm going to tell you the huge, the huge difference between those of us who cling to Christ as our Savior and people who are walking without God is that we have someone with us in all of the fires that life brings our way, and that makes all of the difference. Amen? All of the difference. He's, he is a comforter for us. I love Psalm 10, 17. Read it with me. Lord, you know the hopes of the helpless. Surely you will hear their cries and comfort them. When you cry out to God, he hears your cry, and he promises he will comfort you. I love one of my favorite passages, Psalm 34, 18. Read it with me. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. So, Pastor Steve, how, how does God do that comforting? Glad you asked. He will comfort you with his presence. He will comfort you with his presence. Ladies and gentlemen, we are physical beings, and we are also spiritual beings. And here's what I can tell you. God's spirit will draw close to you when you need him the most. I can't tell you how many people that I've walked with through difficult times or through times of great loss in their life and heard them say to me, Pastor Steve, I can't explain it, but somehow I just feel at peace. It's what Paul talks about when he says that God has this peace that passes all understanding. It doesn't really make any sense, but God has a way in his spirit of drawing close and giving us comfort in, with his spirit. Secondly, God will comfort you with his promises. God will comfort you with his promises. You know, the older I get, the more it makes sense to me why God gave us the Bible. I don't know about you, but man, I don't know. I can't tell you how many times when I'm walking through a difficult place, wh where do I go to find a place to stand? Where do I go for something to hang on to? I don't know about you, man, but I go back to God's word because God gives us so many incredible promises. Even that promise that he'll be close to us when we're, when we're walking through this or even you know, when he talks about, you know, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to be afraid. Why? Because God is with us. He is with us. You know, this morning when I, when I got to call from Doug uh, about Eileen, I'm going to be honest, it, it took my breath away. Um, I had a chance to get close to Eileen, and, and I don't care if you're a pastor, how much faith that you have, it, it still hurts. And those losses go deep. But I thought about Eileen and, and how long she suffered. You know, some, a lot of you don't know her story, but some of this illness that Eileen has been dealing with goes way back. And in fact, Eileen told me in my office, she said, you know, it was like 20 years ago, the doctor gave her six months to live. And she cried out to God 
And she said, dear God, please, I, I, I want to see my kids grow up. I want to see my kids grow up. And it wasn't that long ago that Eileen was in my office and we were talking about all that she was dealing with. And she remembered that and she recounted that to me. And I said, Eileen, isn't it, isn't it incredible that God has been so true to his promise to you and you've had a chance to watch your kids grow up now and, and to see through all of that. And God makes these incredible promises. And I thought this morning when I was thinking about Fanny and the funeral tomorrow, and I was thinking about Eileen, and both of these ladies suffered for a long time. Um, you know, I remembered, I, I remembered that um, the verse from Revelation chapter 21, what talks about us being with God, and it says, look, the, God's home is now among his people, and he will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things are gone forever. I don't know about you, but that's an incredible promise. Even in death, we have a hope, amen? And, and lastly, God will comfort you with his people. God will comfort you with his people. Um, it's not always easy for us to, to ask for help, and it's not always easy for us to, um, you know, to receive the help that people want to give. But you do understand that it's in times of struggle, it's in times of grief, when we, even sometimes when we really don't want to be around people, we really need to be around people. God said it's not good for man to be alone. You know, Paul says, bear one another's burdens. And that's what we're called to do. I saw this in the news. I just thought this was such a great story. Um, throw that picture up on the screen. This is a guy, old guy, he's 80 now, Bob Vogelball. He's from uh, Moline, Illinois. And uh, Bob, back in 1970, uh, about a week before Thanksgiving, Bob owned a, he owned a grocery store called Bob's Grocery. <laughs> and uh, just an old mom and pop store. And he said on that particular day, they were, all these people were shopping for Thanksgiving and everybody was, you know, loading their carts up with, you know, with all of the turkey and all the trimmings and all this kind of stuff. And he was helping bag groceries for uh, an old lady named Rose Hansen. Rose was 90 years old. And what he noticed was that Rose didn't really have any Thanksgiving stuff in her basket. And he says, so Rose, what are, you, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? And she just smiled and she said, well, Bob, it's just another day for me. And she said, you know, I don't really have anybody anymore. And she said, oh, I've got, I don't really have a stove. I've just got a little burner that I cook on in my little apartment. And she goes, I actually, she goes, I don't have a refrigerator. She goes, I put food up in my windowsill to keep it cold with the, you know, with the, with the stuff. She goes, and she goes, I'm, you know, it'll just be another day for me. And that broke Bob's heart. And he went home and he just started thinking about it. He thought, you know, I, I, it just breaks my heart. Nobody should be alone like that, especially for Thanksgiving. And so he had this idea. And so he called his family, his mom, his parents were still living. He called his parents in and he said, you know, I'm not coming to Thanksgiving for family. He goes, I'm going to do something special for people who need a place to go. And so he called Rose up and he said, Rose, would you like to have Thanksgiving with me? And she goes, I'd love that. And so he called several other elderly people that he knew that he, he saw and knew that they were alone. And he called them. And he said that first Thanksgiving in 1970, nine of them gathered in the storeroom of his store. 
And he said he had set up tables and chairs and he had provided all this stuff. And he said they came and he said, and it was so amazing just watching these people, you know, smile and laugh and have conversation. And, and he said, you could just tell this was so, you know, this was so enjoyable for them. He said, but it really hit home three weeks later when he got up one morning just before Christmas and saw in the obituaries that Rose Hansen had passed away. He said, man, as I sat there and I was reading the paper, he said, all of a sudden I realized I had given Rose a gift of at least knowing she was not alone. And he decided right then and there that was going to be his ministry. And so every year he started just inviting people to, to his storeroom to, to have Thanksgiving, and, and the numbers grew. And then they finally had to move out of the storeroom of, and into a, the YMCA and started having the dinner at the YMCA. And finally, there were, you know, there were enough people that were coming, and he would just open it. Anybody who just doesn't want to be alone to Thanksgiving is welcome. You know, the food is free, no, no strings attached, and, and, and people just started coming, and it grew, and it grew, and he eventually got out of the grocery store business, and he had to get some other people help him fund it because it was growing and growing and growing. And now, this last year, throw this picture up on the screen for me. They're now having it. Oh, that, that's, I love that. Don't you love that? I love Mr. Thanksgiving. Throw that next picture up. They moved it to the mall. He partnered with a couple of local grocery store chains and they served Thanksgiving dinner for over 3,200 people. Now for 51 years, he's been offering a chance for people who are alone that they don't have to be alone anymore. Now, that's what I want to say to you. Listen to me. Make eye contact. Hear my heart. You don't have to bear whatever you're bearing all by yourself. You're surrounded by people who love you. You're surrounded by people who would be more than happy to come alongside of you and help you carry whatever you're going through. Sometimes we get to be the comfort of God. Amen. Yeah. Let me give you a second one. Christ is our anchor of hope because he's also a healer. He's also a healer. You know, when you, when you read the Gospels and you see everywhere Jesus went, it talks about how he healed these people of their diseases. He healed leprosy. He healed people who were lame. He healed people who were, who were blind. You know, he, he healed all of these things. Now, just think this thought with me. Do you think a God who can heal this body, do you think he can also heal our hearts? It's not a trick question. Yes. He made us mind, body, and spirit. Amen? And God can heal. And this is really important because what's funny is when we think about God healing, sometimes it's like, you know, I don't mind praying for God to heal my body or heal me if I've got this problem or that problem, but, but how about that heartache? How about that deep wound that you have inside? Can God heal that? I, I love again, read with me. Psalm 147, verse 3. Read it with me out loud. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Read it with me. Psalm 30, verse 5. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. Now, I, when I was thinking about God being a healing and, and, and healing some of those places in us, here's something that I recognize, and you may find this true for you. One, it's hard for us to let God in to those inmost places. I can't tell you how many, I can't tell you even how many people throughout the course of my 40 years of ministry have sat in my office and said these words, I've never told anyone this before. 
which if you translate that means they've never really come before God with it before in a way that really allows him to do his work. Come on, it's just us. Sometimes those wounds are so deep. Sometimes some of us who have grown up in abusive homes, those, those wounds are so deep, we never want to think about them again. Some of us who have gone through very painful divorces and had people abandon us, maybe as kids, you know, some of those wounds are so deep, it's hard for us to let anyone or any even God near those. For some of us who have had losses and we've lost a spouse or we've lost a child or or we've lost a parent, sometimes that pain is so deep, it's like we cover it up and we'll talk to God about everything else, but we really don't want to talk to God about this. But God can't heal what we won't reveal. Amen? And if we really want God to do his healing work, we've got to let him in. The second part of that is, I think not only is it it hard, excuse me, not only is it hard for us to let God into those places, if we're honest, sometimes it's, hard for us, even when God begins his healing work, stay with me, it's hard for us to let go of that. It's hard for us to let go of that pain. Um, I I was talking to a a leader who uh, was dealing with grief groups, and he was talking to me about a, a woman who had lost a son and was in the grief group and was talking about that loss. And, and afterward, after one of the sessions, she came up to him. And here's what she said. She said, you know, my pain is all I have left of my son. And it's like if I let go of that pain, I'm losing him. Look at me. No, you're not. No, you're not. You know what? When we, when we lose people to death... We still carry them in our hearts. I, I, I can't, again, I've, I've walked alongside a lot of people when they've gone through the loss of, uh, of, of someone close to them, a spouse or someone near. And as I talk to them about, you know what, it's okay, particularly for those who maybe they've had to care for someone for a long time. And after doing that for a long time, it's like they don't know how to, how to enjoy themselves. All their life has been is taking care of this individual. And, and now all of a sudden, they've, they can do other things. And it's hard for them to allow themselves to do other things. It's like if I start feeling happy again, I'm somehow cheating the memory of that person. Look at me. No, 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 no. That's just the healing work of God. And all I have to do is ask him this one question and it makes sense. What do you think they would want for you? What do you think your spouse would say to you? And you know what they would say. You need to go on living. You need to go on laughing. You've got life left, and I want you to live it to the full. I can remember talking with one woman who, who had lost her husband, and I said, you do understand he's not suffering anymore. He's not hurting anymore. He's in the best health of his life. Be happy for him because I promise you he's happy for you. Does that make sense to you? God's a healer. Let me give you one last one. He's also a redeemer. He's a redeemer. Psalm 49, 15. Read it with me. But as for me, God will redeem my life. He will snatch me 
from the power of the grave. Now, you know, when we talk about redemption, we've often talked about it as, you know, we, we give God, you know, redeeming something is you give one thing and you get something in return. Well, that redemption is, you know, we give God our sin and he gives us his grace. He gives us eternal life. And that's, that's a great redemption that we love. But you know what? There's another dimension to this. And that is where we can give God the stuff in life that we struggle with or are hurting from. And, and you know what? God can redeem that into good. What if I told you God could take the deepest pains of your life and he could turn them around and use them for good? I wrote some notes. I put these on your outline. You know, God can turn our groans into growth. I, I promise you, there are some of you, some of the most growing passages in your life have been those times when you've been struggling the most. Or he can turn our struggles into strength. And he can turn our misery into ministry. What if I could told you that God could take this grief that some of you are struggling with and that he could actually use you to come alongside of some other people and be that agent of hope for them. I, I love how Paul framed it in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Read it with me. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. Now, please hear my heart with this. It doesn't mean that you're, you're never gonna feel grief again. It doesn't mean that you're never gonna feel sorrow again. It doesn't mean that you're never gonna feel that pain again. But what it does mean is all of a sudden you begin to give that which hurts you so bad an outlet to redeem it for good. Here's the deal. Remember I just did this series on know your enemy and we talked about how the enemy works. I promise you when you go through a time of suffering, here's what the enemy's doing. The enemy's saying there is no God. You're all alone. No one cares about you. You're going to feel like this the rest of your life. And all the enemy wants to do is take that natural hurt or heartache from life and he wants to use it against you to push you into a cave never to be heard from again. But God can take that which the enemy has meant for evil and he can redeem it for good. Can I give you a great example? Throw that picture up on the screen. That's Barry and Gail Bump. They were in our church in Pennsylvania. Great people. Barry's a, a dentist. And uh, wife Gail, the artist, and, and Gail was one of the most delightful people you could ever uh, be around. Uh, she just lit up a room. She had a contagious smile and a great sense of humor. And uh, Barry's also a runner. He's a, 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 a Marine. I was going to say former Marine, but there's no such thing as a former Marine. So he was a Marine who loved to, loved to run, and Gail and him were running partners, and they did everything together. And... Uh, Five years ago, Barry lost Gail to cancer. And Barry's a, a great man of faith. But this hurt hit him like nothing before. You know, losing a spouse, losing someone close to you has a way of just taking all of the, sucking all of the life out of you, sucking all of the wind out of you, all the breath out of you. And it rocked 
Barry's world. But as, as Barry leaned into God and as she leaned into some others who were going through grief, he began to find hope and he too began to find healing and he began to find that even in the midst of the deepest heartaches of life, God was there. And as time moved forward, Barry actually felt God leading him to be a grief share leader. And now, five years later, this guy who lost his world in his wife is walking with other people, helping them find hope and helping them find God. Um, been for the last couple of years texting back and forth with Barry and emailing back and forth so we kind of reconnected. He sent me a text um, this last year and I, I just thought it's just so telling of how God uses us uh, through all of our pain. He said we had a new guy who joined our grief, grief group this session. He's 80 years old. He said he took his wife to the ER with COVID pneumonia but he couldn't go in with her. And that was the last he saw her. She passed away alone in the hospital. The guy was so devastated, he could hardly talk about it. He said, now, last week, we're, we're eight sessions in with our, our, this, this round, and I'm leading, and then he interrupts me and says he has something that he wants to say. And he goes on to tell our group how he was raised Catholic, but God was, had really had no place in his life if, since he was a kid. And, um, but now, whenever he does his workbook and he reads the Bible, he says, I feel God's presence. He said, there are five homework assignments each week which involve a Bible verse or two and then a question to make you reflect on the video. Well, he reads the whole chapter of the Bible that that verse came from, and then he'll read the chapter before it and then the chapter after it, and he said, and God speaks to me. He said, as he was looking at the group, and this guy's an outdoorsman, he's an avid hunter, and, and uh, I mean, a real man's man kind of guy. He said, but this guy just kept saying, with, with tears running down his face, he said, you can't tell me God isn't real, and you can't tell me God isn't here. You can't tell me God isn't real. Now, and I, as I was reading this, I was thinking, here God took the most painful thing that had ever happened in Barry's life. And as he surrendered it to God, as he allowed God to come alongside of him and others to come alongside of him, bring healing to him, he was able to come alongside and not only help other people find comfort and strength, but he's helping other people find the God who is there. That is a redeeming God. I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know what kind of weight you feel this morning. Here's what I know. There's hope. Our God is a comforter. Our God is a healer. Our God is a redeemer. And our God is here. Amen. 
I want to do something a little unusual. We have done this in a long time. But this morning, I, I just kind of have to believe that there are some of us who, who just maybe need God to touch them in a special way. Maybe you've been struggling and you need encouragement. Maybe you've been grieving and you need comfort. Maybe you've been hurting and you need healing. Maybe this morning what you just need is what I've been talking about. You just need God to breathe some hope into you. Well, I want to, I want to do something special. Um, in just a moment, Rachel's going to play a song. And, and while she's leading us in the song, I'm, I'm going to move down to the floor and I've got a little vial of olive oil. This oil represents the Holy Spirit of God. A God who can touch us not only in our body, but who can touch us deep in our heart. It also represents the healing of God. And I don't know where you might need a touch, but while we sing this song, here's what I'm going to invite you to do. I'm going to stand down here. And for any of you who would just like to be anointed, and would just like to ask God to maybe touch you in a special way today, I'm going to ask you just to come by, and I'm just going to say a couple words to you and put this oil on your forehead, and I'm just going to ask you to just return to your seat or find a seat up here front or whatever you want to do. But after we've anointed everyone and after we've done this and Rachel's led us through this song, I want to pray a prayer of God to meet us here and to allow His Holy Spirit to breathe a wind of hope and healing to us. So if you'd like to be anointed, you feel free to just slip out and come. Our fathers, we come before you today. We declare that you are our anchor of hope. You are our comforter. You are our healer. You are our redeemer. Lord Jesus, you never promised us that we would escape this earth without problems or trials or troubles or hurts or heartaches. What you did say was that in the middle of it all, you would be there. Father, I pray today. I pray for all of those who boldly step forward today to be anointed. I pray that you would wrap your arms around them and that whatever the cry of their heart is today, that you would meet them at their point of need, that you would pour out yourself upon them, just like I put the oil upon them. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would touch them in their inmost places. Lord, you alone can meet the needs of our life. You alone can heal the deepest heartaches of our soul. And saw so, Father, for all of us, for those of us who came forward, for those of us sitting in the pew, for those of us watching online from across the world, Lord, wherever we are today, stretch out your hand. May you renew the hope that is within us as we face the trials of today. For God so loved us, he sent his one and only son May we know today that that son is with us every day of our lives. In your precious name, we pray today. And everyone said.